What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 14 of the Set the Tone podcast. I'm your host, Tony. Follow along on Twitter at setthetone underscore pod. Again, that is at setthetone underscore pod. Hope you all enjoyed the baseball pop-up podcast. A little bit of a ranting and just some thoughts again on the Hall of Fame, the CBA, where things are at. And funny enough, had just read because, uh, before coming on to record this podcast that the MLB Players Association is set to counteroffer the MLB and the owners. Now the question begs, I, I think this is... The reaction that we read that the players had to what the owners have offered is that they were not interested, uh, a little offended by what they provided. I think that what we are going to see from the Players Association is basically laughable uh, from the owners. The owners will think that this is a laughable offer and that is how far apart we are going to be. Maybe this sparks some sort of discussion, right? Maybe the owners say, you are so far off and here are the reasons why you're off. That's at least the hope. I don't know that that's the Players Association intention necessarily. Again, I don't think Tony Clark and and co. are that smart. But, 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 maybe the owners offer a little bit of of business, this, (laughs) business acumen, business intelligence to this conversation, right? We are dealing with billionaires. As a matter of fact, Rob Manfred went to Cornell, has a law degree, is great in the union and arbitration space. Maybe that is where not they take advantage, but lend their expertise a little bit and help out the Players Association. We meet in the middle. I still think spring training is going to be delayed, Let's just get this regular season moving on time. This will be a quick podcast overall. Other news and notes. We are into the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I hit it. Six for six. Selecting every single game in Super Wild Card Weekend. Am I that smart? Absolutely not. But I'll shit. Pretend I am. I'll take it. And what was even more impressive, the double-digit wins that I thought and saw there, spot on with those as well. Uh, very lackluster performance from Kyler Murray. Let's start there. Let's start with a little Super Wild Card Weekend recap. Lackluster from Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Is it Cliff Kingsbury? Is it Kyler Murray? Both are now coming under fire. This is what I had said, is that this is a prove-it moment for Matt Stafford. It's a prove-it moment for Kyler Murray. Which one is going to start to reshape the narrative a little bit that they choke in a big spot? Now this weekend, with a Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a LA Rams matchup, Stafford has a huge chance to take a step forward. If the Packers and Rams would end up facing off in the NFC Championship, no one's going to fault Matt Stafford for falling short in that spot after you knock off the Super Bowl champs. You do win your first playoff game. Great steps. A lot of talent around. I get it, but the Green Bay Packers are another beast who I think are going to win the Super Bowl. But here's an opportune chance for the LA Rams. And I'd say that more on the defensive side is that we look at a guy like Tristan Wirfs who might be out. 
is Ryan Jensen still banged up? There are some injuries on the Tampa Bay offense that if the LA Rams defense shows up to play, they have a damn good chance of punching Tampa Bay in the mouth on offense, giving the Rams offense a pretty damn good chance as well. And how about Odell Beckham Jr.? Let's give him credit for having a stellar playoff performance. Right? He has fallen in line like a good soldier, you might say, with the LA Rams. Now, again, if you listen to this podcast weeks back, I said we should expect that. I think Odell will be a solid player for the Rams in his early onset. Because everywhere he goes, think of the Giants early on, Cleveland early on. While production may not have been there and and the Browns had to figure some things out, Odell did not make much noise. He's typically good in the early stages of a tenure. It'd be in his best interest and in the team's best interest from purely a performance standpoint that he signs one-year deals maybe heavy on the incentive-based because he falls in line and he shows up and he performs. That being said, we understand the nature and the gruesome nature that is the NFL and football. You take guaranteed contracts if you can get them. They're becoming more prevalent in the NFL. But you take them and you sign on that multi-year deal, get that money up front. So... In theory, is a one-year deal great? Yeah, absolutely. Statistics will back it up and show it for Odell. Now, in reality, you'd be smart to take the bag and run on with your money. That's the way you go. So, anywho, the LA Rams take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. I'm going to go on a limb and we're going to take the Rams in this spot. We'll take the Rams to march on to the NFC Championship. The Packers, I think, will win pretty decisively. They're coming off a bye. The San Francisco 49ers coming off a win at Dallas, which we could talk about the failures of Mike McCarthy, 14 penalties in a playoff spot. You can say that your team is not ready to play, right? The moment got to them a little bit. And maybe you think of that in little spots. Little situations in the game where in an ongoing play, a defensive back is just a step too slow because the moment's too big, right? There's a little mental lapse there. But what, I think seven of the 14 penalties by the Dallas Cowboys were either offsides or encroaches or holding. There's things that just don't add up that were avoidable penalties that lead to the signs of a poorly coached football team. And that very well could be the narrative for Mike McCarthy, a poorly coached football team. He had Aaron Rodgers, who we're about to see, who I think will walk to in a very decisive fashion. I'm not even going to preview this game much. Walk to in a decisive fashion his third NFC championship in a row. Mike McCarthy only won one Super Bowl with this individual. That's with Donald Driver on offense. That's with Greg Jennings on offense. Jermichael Finley at tight end. A stout offensive line. On defense, you had Clay Matthews, Nick Barnett, Charles Woodson, Julius Peppers, A.J. Hawk, B.J. Raji. You start to wonder what Mike McCarthy was doing in Green Bay with all that talent. Talent that could never put it together. And 
the fact that he was crowned some sort of Don in Dallas off the bat that he slept over at Jerry Jones's house. Pump the brakes, Jerry. Pump the brakes, Cowboys fans. Oh, but now, now that we're two years into this mess, now we pump the brakes a little bit. The fans have decided, Jerry Jones, a little bit more pessimistic. We've decided to pump the brakes on Mike McCarthy. He does not have a great track record. We can point and say talent is the reason he has a ring on his finger. And that talent oftentimes outperforms bad coaching. I mean, talent of Aaron Rodgers' level, talent of that deep, and that defense was never really great in Green Bay. Although there was a lot of talent there, they could never put it together. And we can point that to coaching. Say that's a direct failure on Mike McCarthy not to bring in the proper defensive coaching or, say, coaching personnel to get these guys into shape. And then the times that the defense was ready to go, there were lapses on offense. That's a Mike McCarthy football team is what we saw this past weekend. Undisciplined. Does not rise to the occasion. That is Mike McCarthy in a nutshell. Might be the nicest guy in the world. But as far as it goes, for getting a talented football team over the hump, he's not your guy. So the Niners move on. They go to Green Bay. I think Green Bay wins. So we'll see a Green Bay... LA NFC Championship on the other side of the coin in the AFC. An absolutely impressive win from the Cincinnati Bengals over the Las Vegas Raiders. We can talk about the blown whistle on a Tyler Boyd touchdown that the officiating crew did not handle appropriately. The NFL, after the fact, did not address appropriately. Would it have mattered? No. Can we talk about it being a dumb rule? Sure we want can we say that really had no impact yeah it it didn't have an impact but what we can say confidently is that the NFL does not handle a PR situation like this if we want to call it that well they do not handle a spot where they can get out in front of something do some damage control and say yeah we screwed up and I think in this day and age the fan base would appreciate a little bit of honesty. And I'm talking to the football fan base to say, yeah, we screwed up. We can make the judgment on our own. Did this impact the game? Now it did come back to come down to a touchdown. That is true. But again, we can understand that the whistle didn't really affect it. Right? We're smart enough to figure that out. In the by, by rule, it should be a dead play. Again, the NFL screwed up, but they can admit that. One thing I want to talk about with Las Vegas, too. So, again, Cincinnati, very impressive. Now, my mind going all over the place. Cincinnati, very impressive. They move on to Tennessee, who I like Tennessee in this spot. They get back, they get healthy. I think they'll punch Cincinnati in the nose, give them a rude awakening. That's okay. One thing I want to talk about, too, is we were mentioning last week the head coaching vacancies in the NFL. Rich Passaccia takes over as interim head coach and has done an absolutely outstanding job, gets the Raiders to the playoffs, has them in a spot to win 
a super wildcard weekend game, they fall short. He's now going through the interview process to become the Raiders' next permanent head coach. And you see players come out and speak on his behalf, Max Crosby being the most recent and one of the most notable as well. The big thing that I see is I feel like oftentimes we get as fans and probably as front office executives, ownership, inundated on what this guy can bring to the table in a football sense. Not only do we talk X's and O's, we talk concepts. And I'll think of Mike McDaniel right now in San Francisco, who's a hot coaching candidate. We're talking about, oh, this is what he could do with a run game. Look what he's done with Debo Samuel. Look how he's managed this offense. We heard of Adam Gase as a quarterback whisperer with Peyton Manning. Oftentimes, we get very caught up with what these guys are doing on a football level. Right? Think of the head coach as a CEO. He has to delegate. You want the CEO to be bright. You want them to oversee all operations. But you want a good CFO. You want a good COO. People underneath who can make decisions. Think of a head coach where they need a good OC. They need a good DC. Bring the guys in the certain skill groups or the position groups underneath that. That is what you're looking for. And you want the CEO or the head coach here to connect. And it seems like Rich Passaccia connected. And it had nothing to do with X's and O's. Right? Gruden left. Passaccia took over. The rest of the coaching personnel stayed in place. But then he connects. So he trusted in that process. Trusted in the guys on the field. But then he made the connection. And... So many times what I feel like we we miss is the connection. We're not dealing with pieces of a puzzle here. We are dealing with humans. And this goes to the argument I'll die on a hill for with sabermetrics and baseball. We look at the analytics. We look at the numbers. But we also have to factor we're talking with humans. What's going to make them tick? Mike McCarthy is a perfect example. Didn't get the the guys to rise up in the big spot. Felt overwhelmed by the moment. How do we get them through the moment? How do we connect? How do we eliminate that barrier? Because it's a very real barrier. Psychology is a very real barrier. It's a very real skill. That if you can harness this sort of energy... It can benefit in the long run. But also, as we saw this past weekend, Mike McCarthy said it, Cliff Kingsbury said it, didn't have the guys ready. It can overwhelm you. And we could look at a team like the Las Vegas Raiders and maybe say, not that they were overwhelmed from a psychology standpoint for this game, but maybe just a skill standpoint. And it was the psychology, it was the camaraderie that got them to the playoffs in the first place. And for that reason, I think Rich Passaccia 
is the man for the job. Not only is he the man for the job for that, but then you keep coaches in place. Turnover doesn't have to be as egregious. It can look like a much more normal offseason for the Raiders. So back on to the divisional side of the playoffs. Tennessee, Cincinnati. I like Tennessee to smack Cincinnati in the mouth. And that little parade. A hard-nosed football team led by Mike Vrabel should get Derrick Henry back. Even if it's Dante Foreman, I think Tennessee's in a very good spot here. The other AFC matchup, Chiefs, Bills, we're all anticipating an absolute barn burner in Kansas City. Give me the Chiefs. I think they're just better in a few different spots on offense. But here's the tough thing we go against. This is a Buffalo team that is now been disrespected. No all pros on that defense. And here that defense is loud, allowed least amount of points in the league, least amount of yards in the league. So they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Always dangerous to give that edge to pro athletes like that. But they ha- So they haven't necessarily gotten the respect that they felt that they've earned. And I have said before that maybe we need to pump the brakes on Buffalo. Well, now they're playing like a team with a fire under their ass who has not been credited and crowned God's gifts of the NFL. Now they're playing a little more realistically. Or at least the narrative is a little bit more realistic from the media for this team. And they're embracing it. Chiefs, on the other hand, very professional. Very well coached. I think Andy Reid will do a phenomenal job in this spot. And gosh, Josh Allen, you could say, is playing as good as Patrick Mahomes. As well as Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to go with what I know. I'm going to stick with my Super Bowl prediction here. And we're going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the defense. The Kansas City Chiefs defense is what rises to the occasion in this spot. And stops the Bills. I think the Bills defense does a good job against Patrick Mahomes. I think they keep them competitive. So really... I think this game comes down to a fourth quarter turnover. I think the team that nets that fourth quarter turnover will be the Kansas City Chiefs. They move on to the AFC Championship. Chiefs, Titans, Packers, Rams, your championship games. We'll talk about it more next week. Other nugget I want to mention here. A fun UFC card at the top, UFC 270, live from this week or live this week from the Honda Center in Anaheim, California, USA. Headlined by Francis Ngannou taking on Cyril Ghosn uh, for the heavyweight championship of the world. The other championship fight on this card, Brendan Moreno versus Debison Figueredo. Not a great card from there on out. Is Michelle Pereira an exciting fighter? Absolutely. But should he be the third fight on a pay-per-view? No. Cody Stamen against Sedner Magomedov. Fourth fight on the paper, or they would be the second fight on the pay per view. I'm going to be fair, and this is no disrespect to Cody Stamen, but where he's at in his career, he's kicking off the ESPN prelims. So the title fights is what makes this card interesting. You can tune in late should you need. What the storyline that I'm most excited for can Brendan Moreno keep the momentum? 
going that he had with the wins over Debison Figueroa in 2021. And also Debison Figueroa now training with Henry Cejudo. I love this narrative that Henry Cejudo is a coach, that he could reform Debison Figueroa and John Jones in the same year. Do you smell that? Do you smell Henry Cejudo? 2022 MMA Coach of the Year. There's a prediction. Here's a prediction that I tweeted out earlier today. Aaron Rodgers retires after winning a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers this year. And I'll give you another one. Henry Cejudo. 2022 MMA Coach of the Year. I love the Francis Ngannou Cyril Gon fight for the heavyweight championship. I want to see Francis Ngannou win just because the name that can be built around it. You still have the John Jones opportunity. You have a Stipe Miocic trilogy to put in store. And then we could also circle back to just last week, Tyson Fury calling out Francis Ngannou for some interesting fights. So there's a few different ways I could see Francis Ngannou winning a or retaining a heavyweight belt going. I would love to see the John Jones fight. I'd be intrigued by the Tyson Fury fight or fights, should we call it, if we're going to have MMA and boxing, or is it just going to be boxing in the four ounce gloves, which I think Fury obliterates Ngannou, but that's a different conversation for a different storyline, should it happen. So I'm excited for the Henry Cejudo storyline and what the role he plays with the Debussy Figueredo coaching side. And I'm also excited to see how Brennan Moreno picks up and adjusts. And again, the Nganu Gan title fight should be fun. Former training partners, a little bit of blood there. When we keep moving on here and we continue to set the tone, we can talk about Jorge Masvidal and Colby Covington next time around. The UFC returning to London in March. But also, next week, we're going to have some championship game previews to shape up. We're going to have a Baseball Hall of Fame voting situation to talk about and potentially what's going on in the world of college basketball what's going on in the world of the NBA NFL coaching searches maybe the baseball collective bargaining agreement some fun stuff right now in a slow spot in the world of sports we'll continue to kick it through with the NFL and we'll continue to set the tone again you can always follow along at set the tone on twitter at set the tone underscore pod I am your host, Tony. We'll catch you all next week.